We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for Jesus, and we pray that as we work our way through these few verses this morning, that You will help us to be even more thankful for Jesus, that You would help us, God, that You would convince us through Your Spirit, through Your Word, um, that there is no one else to turn to but Him. Pray that you would help us with that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Those of you who are parents, have you ever had that moment with your child? Have you ever had a, a mic drop moment with your child? Right? You, you know what I mean by a mic drop moment? Where you just, you just say, you just give them the final word on the matter. Right? You... The, you know, a mic drop moment is when you, when you give this brilliant speech that is just, there's nothing you can say to it. There's just no reply. There's no response. Um, you have dropped the mic. It is over. You ever have that moment with your child where, you know, they're frustrated with you because of some decision or some rule or something, and then you explained that decision so rationally and so brilliantly and so convincingly, like they were like, wow, I'm convinced. Your, your wisdom astonishes me, dear parent. I will never question you again. You ever had that moment with your children? I have not. <laughs> but I'm thinking, eventually, they're going to see. I'm going to convince them. I'm going to give them the final word on the matter and they're going to be like, I will never question your judgment again. Still waiting. We'll see. I'll let you know if it happens. In Hebrews 1.1, God says, I have, I have said all that needs to be said. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In the Old Testament, God spoke, and it was true. What He said was true, and it was good, but it was incomplete. It wasn't the whole story. It was, it was fragments. It wasn't the final word. God had more to say. It was true. The, the Old Testament is, is good and true, but it's not complete. All of the different um, stories and laws and prophecies and songs and, and proverbs. They're, they're good and they're true that we find in the Old Testament. But they're fragments. 
And even if you could get all the, somehow put all the fragments together and see it all in one big picture, you would, you would still need more because God hadn't had his, his mic drop moment yet. He hadn't, he hadn't had that, here's, here's the final word on the matter. He hadn't had that yet until he sent Jesus to us. In these last days, he has spoken. In fact, the last days are here because he has spoken. He has sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus is the final word. Jesus, in, in Jesus, God has said all that needs to be said. The good news of the life, the perfect life of Jesus, his, his sacrificial death, his, his resurrection, his exaltation, he, he has paid for our sins and then he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, the majesty on high. That story of Jesus, that, that's, that's all that needs to be said. Now, the book of Hebrews, um, as we work our way through it, we're going to see it doesn't answer all of our small questions. There's, there's some things I'd like to know that the book of Hebrews doesn't tell us. Uh, we'd, we'd like to know who the author of the book of Hebrews... I mean, we, we know God authored it, but who is the human author? We don't know. We don't know exactly when it was written. We have some good guesses, but we don't know for sure. We don't know like the first town that this letter was sent to. Where were these um, Hebrew believers? Where were they living? We don't know for sure. We have some good guesses, but we don't know. There are small questions like that that are very interesting to us, and Hebrews doesn't answer those questions. But Hebrews does give us the answer to the questions that truly matter. The ultimate questions. Questions like, how can I know God? How can I be accepted by God? Where can I possibly go with my guilt, my shame, Where can I possibly go with my apathy and my laziness? Where can I go with my doubt or my fear of man? Where can I go with my homesickness, my search for for real, final rest? Hebrews has the answer to all of our biggest hopes and our biggest fears. Hebrews has the final answer to the questions that matter most. Because Hebrews shows us Jesus. And Jesus is God's final word to us. When, when God gave us the New Testament, when God, when God gave us the, the glory and the story of Jesus in His Word, God has given us all that needs to be said. What makes Jesus the, the ultimate last word? What are His qualifications? Our passage this morning has five reasons why Jesus is God's final word to us. Five reasons why Jesus is God's final word to us. These are His qualifications. Here's why Jesus is qualified. Here's why we should not turn anywhere else for the things that truly matter. So we're going to go through these five qualifications, these five reasons, very quickly. This is, this is going to be a lot. We're going, to, we're going to cover a lot of theology in you know less than... 90 minutes. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna move right along through this. And, and, and probably actually, you're gonna be thinking, wow, that was a lot. We should, we should, we should camp there and sort of, and sort of unpack that for a while. Well, it's gonna come up again. Everything that gets said in these first four verses comes up again in the book of Hebrews. Um, my, um, last week I used some sports analogies, so this week I'll use 
um, a, a musical analogy um, because um, my, my dad made sure that there was a lot of football happening in the house and in the yard, um, and my mom made sure that there was a lot of, like, Sound of Music stuff going on, right? And so this is why I'm the, I'm the well-rounded, cultured person I am today, because um, it was football in World War II with my dad, and it was um, The Hills Are Alive with my mom. And so, um, but if you ever watched a musical, either like at the wagon wheel or like on TV, there's that opening part where they, they just play music for a while at the very beginning. There's no words or anything. They just play music, and it's the um, and what it is is it's sort of like a mashup of all of the songs that are coming. You get like 30 seconds of the big hits that are coming later, and all of their you know like like the, there's a longer version coming. And so as we're going through these, kind of think of it that way. As we go through these verses. This is the this is the thirty second version. I might say it in thirty seconds. I might not. This is the thirty second version of of stuff that's going to go into more detail later. So the the author is going to give us the the, the like five big hits right now. Going to going to going to hit him hit us quick with them. Five reasons why Jesus is God's final word to us. Let's work through these, and, and as we do, let's worship Jesus. First reason why Jesus is God's final word to us, number one, because Jesus has created and inherited all things. First reason why Jesus is God's final word, because Jesus, number one, because Jesus has created and inherited all things. Verse two says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus has created and inherited all things. So right away, we got something odd going on in the book of Hebrews. There's going to be some stuff where we have to realize God, that the triune God works very differently than the way we normally work. Right? The, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, and then just the, the different ways that, that the triune God operates different than us. And, and, and we see it right away. Why would Jesus need to inherit something he created? If I made something, I don't need, I own it. I don't need to inherit it. It's mine. Why would you inherit something you created? The, the scripture is clear. The Son of God is, is, was active in creation. He created the universe. So why does he need to inherit it? Odd way of talking about it. Well, what, we, what we're looking at here is we're is we're looking at how the, the story of redemption finishes. How it comes to its conclusion. Because when we think of inheritance, we think of someone dying and then, uh, and then the, 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 whoever they left in their will, you know, they get the house and they get the money or whatever. We think of inherit, inheritance that way. That's not the way Scripture is talking about it. Scripture is referring to Psalm 2, where the Father says to the Son, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. And then we see from these verses that, that the inheritance is tied directly to Jesus making purification for sins. He, After making purification for sins, down in verse 3, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He was given kingship, and He was given ownership of the stuff that He created after He had redeemed it. 
Jesus Christ, by making purification for sins, has rescued the future of the universe from the curse of sin. He's rescued the future of His people from the curse of sin. He has paid for sin. He has purchased His new kingdom. And the Father has given it to Him. The Father has given to Him His inheritance that He has bled and died for. So what we have to understand, what we have to understand is that right now, Jesus owns everything. Right now, He rules and reigns over everything. Oftentimes, we think of, the, we think of Jesus' kingship as something that's going to happen in the future. But, but the Hebrews is, is, is clear. He's, he's been given all things now. He has, he has everything at His disposal right now. In the end, it's going to be clear and obvious to everyone. And in the end, Jesus will have completely eradicated all sin and all the results of sin. In the end, it's going to look different. But what we have to understand, and we'll unpack this a little bit more next week, what we have to understand is that right now, Jesus, He he is King over everything. He owns all things. He has all resources at His disposal. He owns all of it. I um I was I was kind of struck by something as I was um studying this out this this week because this is a this is a simple straightforward truth that the son of god right now rules and reigns over all things he has everything as, at his disposal but it's one of those simple truths that we just forget so so quickly we go about our weeks and we and and we forget that right now, Jesus has all the resources to, to do anything He wants in your life. He has all resources at His disposal. He reigns over all of it. He has veto power over all of it. He has access to all of it. He has ownership of all of it. You name it, if it's in your life, He owns it. He rules over it. He's not like, it's not like he's, he's waiting, you know, it's not like there's a, 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 a shipping problem or the gas prices are too high or the, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in containers, you know, out, out on the coast and he can't get to them yet. There's a lot of red tape. It's, it's, it, he's not limited in any of the ways that we are always limited. He's not limited. He, he owns it all. He rules over it all. He's doing anything he wants with everything. Right now, Jesus is doing anything He wants with everything. He has everything at His disposal. So He is God's final word to us. Don't look anywhere else. Stop looking for something better. Jesus has created and inherited all things. Second reason why Jesus is the final word. Number two, because Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of His nature. If you need to like write that down in your notes, just copy the beginning of verse 3. The radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Theologians a long time ago, um, and by a long time ago, I mean like the early days of the church, they used to like to say, they used to like to compare verses like this with the, um, with the sun in the sky, the S-U-N, the, the big yellow ball of fire, that sun. 
And what they would say is that the sun has never existed without its brightness. Since the moment that God created the sun, He also created the brightness. The sun and the brightness have always gone together. They've always gone together. You can't have one without the other. And the same is true for the Father and the Son, the S-O-N, the, the, the radiance of the glory of God. The, because God is always glorious, His radiance has existed as long as He has. His Son has existed as long as He has. The Son and the Father have always existed together. They, have never, they were never created. God the Father was never created. God the Son was never created. The Son has always been the radiance of the Father's glory. And He's always been the exact imprint of His nature. Because the Father and Son are one, the Son perfectly shows us what the Father is like. The Son reveals the Father's glory. What He is like. His character. His, his, his nature, His character, and His glory. The Son gives gives. It all to us. He, he shows us it all. So in the Old Testament, God revealed Himself in, in like snatches and glimpses and fragments here and there. In the New Testament, God has fully and finally revealed Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He is God. This is why in the book of John, Jesus could make the, the simple yet profound statement that if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. It took Jesus seven seconds to say it, and theologians have been thinking about it for a long time since. I and the Father are one. And what we have to understand today, and this is again, this is again just one of those truths that in the midst of our day-to-day lives, we lose track of. Because we're thinking, we're thinking of things in our own, like, fallen human way, in our own we-can't-understand-everything kind of way, and so we lose track of these simple and yet incredibly vital truths. And that this is what Jesus has come to do. He has come to reveal God to us. It's important for us to understand that this is the point of our salvation. If you're wondering, what is the ultimate reason... That, that, that God saved me. What's the goal of my salvation? It's to know Him. It's so that we might know God. This is what salvation is ultimately all about. And this is the main joy of salvation. To know God. Sometimes we get, we get wrapped up in the, in the good but lesser benefits. We get wrapped up in the good but lesser joys. We, if we start to think that salvation is mostly about escaping hell, or escaping misery, or escaping sadness, or escaping sickness, or reuniting with loved ones, all of those things are good, and I'm thankful for all of them, but they are, they are subcategories. They are things that happen, uh, that, are, that are underneath the big thing. The big thing is that we get to now know God. And, and, and so that's true for, like, future eternity. But it's also true for right now. Like, the, the, the Christian life on this earth will never make sense to us if we think that, the, that these other blessings are the big thing in salvation. Because right now, 
Right now, God's ultimate goal for you is not, is not like money related. It's not health related. God's ultimate goal for you is not relationship to other humans related. It's not. God's ultimate goal for you is that you know Him. And so when we're thinking about why has God brought this blessing into my life or why has God brought this trial into my life? Because if there is a blessing or a trial in your life, it's come at the hand of God. To say anything else, it, it, to say anything else decreases the glory of God. It, 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 it paints Him in a picture that the, that, the, that, the, that the Bible doesn't speak of Him as. If you have a blessing or a trial in your life, it's come to you at the hand of God. And why has He given that to you? So you would know Him. This is why we were created and this is why we were saved. The Son has come and revealed God to us. That's the second reason why Jesus is the final word. The third reason. Number three, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of His power. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of His power. Verse 3, He's the radiance of the glory of God. So He shows us the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of His nature. He shows us the character of God. Who God is. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So this is not too difficult for Him. Right now, God the, God the Son is, is upholding the universe. And He's doing it with the word. By simply saying the word, and what we have to understand about this um, this this uh, idea uphold that we have in verse three, it would be good to make a note of this um, because the the word uphold carries with it more than just like he's he's keeping it up, right? Uh, like like because we think of uphold, we think of Jesus maybe like kind of holding a globe or something. You know, I, I don't I don't know what we we think of. We think of that you know the the planet hasn't fallen into, I don't know, because Jesus holds it up or something? I don't, I don't know what we think. But the, the Word has a lot more to it than that. It, it has the idea of carrying the universe to where He wants it. Carrying the... So, so not only just kind of holding the globe up, but, but, or holding all of the, all of the planets up, it, he is governing over things in such a way that things are happening the way He wants them to. He is carrying history along. He is, he is upholding history. He's upholding the universe as He's bringing it to where He wants it. So not only does He have ownership and veto power, not only does He have access to all the resources, He's doing with them what He wants to do with them. He's... He's, and, and, and what we can, and what we can be, because sometimes we think of the, like that, um, and this, this happens in a lot of movies and TV shows, right, where you have the, you have the guy um, who's now in his 70s, and he started off, you know, um, and he, um, he started off and uh, worked really hard, started a business, and just worked his tail off, and then he had some stuff go his way, right? Because if you're, you know, he, he, things went his way, um, and the the business just boomed, and he made a ton of money. He poured a lot of sweat and wisdom and hard work into this business, business, and then it it took off, right? And it's just, and it's great. And then he retired, handed it to his son, and his son is a doofus, right? So that's we've seen that story. That, that there's the doofus son who kind of just like 
messes around and doesn't really care about the business, and he kind of checks in on, on his own you know, stocks every once in a while. But he, does, he's, he's, he doesn't have the work ethic or the interest that his father had. Let's make sure we understand Jesus isn't like that. Jesus has all the resources. And right now, he is doing the best thing with all the resources. He is, he is right now bringing you to the end where he wants to bring you. And we know what that end is. It's you standing faultless before the throne. It's you more and more taking on the character of Christ. Christ has shown us the, 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 the exact imprint of the nature of God, the, the character of God. And not only does He show us what God is like, He's making us more and more like, and oftentimes kicking and screaming, um, He is making us more and more like God so that we may know God. And, and the more we behold the glory of God, Second Corinthians says, the more we are transformed from one degree of glory, painfully slow, to another degree of glory. Christ is using all of the resources that He has at His disposal to bring the entire universe, me and you included, to the end where He wants it. He's doing this by the word of His power. Where else would we turn? Who else do we turn to? That's number three. Number four, Jesus has made final purification for sin. Jesus has made final purification for sin. The end of verse 3 says, after making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. That idea, sitting down at the right hand of the Majesty, that has the idea of kingship, and also carries with it, the job is done. When He said it is finished, it is truly finished. It's fascinating to me, here in these... um, opening verses in this opening like, little song here where, where, where the, the author of Hebrews is introducing us quickly to a few themes that are going to get a lot of airtime as we go through the book of Hebrews. They're, they're going to get a lot more, there's going to get a lot more ink spilled on these themes in the, in the weeks to come. And we're going to be in Hebrews, you know, until Mother's Day, maybe? It'd be nice to be done by Mother's Day, we'll see. That'd be a nice Mother's Day present to, you know, move on to a different book. We're going to be here for a little while. Because the author of Hebrews has a lot to say, and it's all good stuff. But it's interesting in these opening verses, this magnificent description of the Son of God, the only thing the author says about Jesus' earthly ministry is that he made purification for sins. The only thing in these four verses that has anything to do with what Jesus did on earth, like in, in Jesus' short um, time here on earth, the, the, he did many wonderful things. Here's the thing that the author of Hebrews is holding up as the most important. He made purification for sins. The, the ugly truth is that you and I are born dirty. We are born dirty. We are born unclean. In Sunday school this morning, we, 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 we thought about that, that psalm where, it says, where David says, I was brought forth in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. I, I have been a sinner since, since conception. I, 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 I was born unclean. 
I was born needing to be purified. And then I have wallowed in sin. So we need to be made clean. So we are created to know God. And I don't care what anybody else tells you, that's why you were born. To know God. There is no greater good than, than knowing God. Than being loved and accepted by God. Being with God forever. There's no greater good, no greater joy. But because of our sin, that was impossible. It was impossible because we were unclean, unacceptable before Him. So at the end of the day, there really is only one problem. All the other problems pale in comparison to this one problem. And that problem is, our sin separates us from God. There's all kinds of nice things that you can have in this life. You can have a good job. You can, you can have good health. You can celebrate 50 years of marriage to the, your favorite person in the world. There's lots of good things. None of them matter if you're dirty before God. If you are unacceptable before God. And because of your sin, that's exactly who you are. If you are, if you are, if you are apart from Christ, then you stand guilty unclean before God. Jesus has come as God's final solution to the only problem that truly matters. Jesus has done what could never have been done otherwise. He has made final purification for sins. This language of Him sitting at the right hand of His Father. Making purification for sins and then sitting at the right hand of His Father. That language there just reminds us, it drives home this beautiful truth that it is finished. In His death on the cross, He has cleansed us from every single stain. Have you believed this? Is Jesus Christ your only hope in life and death? Is He your only hope to be cleansed from the dirtiness of your sin? If not, please understand there's only one problem that truly matters and there's only one solution to your problem. Jesus is God's final word to us on the matter. And then very briefly, here's our our fifth and final reason why Jesus is God's final word to us. Number five, because Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is superior to the angels. Verse four says, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more, is, is more excellent than theirs. Here's his final qualification. If we're wondering why is it that Jesus is qualified, what what does Jesus bring as far as qualifications that would convince us that we turn nowhere else but Him? He is superior to the angels. Why is the author of Hebrews suddenly talking about angels? We're going to dive into this next week quite a bit more. But real quick today, it's, it's because the Old Testament was given through angels. The, the, the Hebrews here in this first century church, they're being tempted to, to turn back away from Jesus and to turn, back to, the, uh, to turn back to the Old Testament way of doing things. The Old Covenant way of doing things. They're they're tempted to forsake Jesus and go back. Back to the Old Testament. 
So, so the author of Hebrews here is saying, no. Jesus is, is far greater than the angels. Jesus is far superior to the angels. And what he means by that here, he's sort of, he's sort of echoing verse 1. He's, he's picking up on that idea of in the Old, in the, in the old Testament, in the, in the long ago days, God spoke to us he spoke to us. It was good. It was the true word of God. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And, and, the, and the first century believers, they would have understood that that was mediated often through angels. That was Angels were the messengers. Angels were the ones that God sent to give the word. Um, he says, uh, let's see, this is the one, when they talk about Moses, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. Stephen says that in his sermon in the book of Acts. He says, the angel, the angel gave the, the word to Moses, gave the word to our fathers. Galatians 3.19, talking about the law, says, says that, that it was put in place through angels. And so the, and so the author of Hebrews is saying, yes, the, the, the word that the angels brought from God to Moses and to the prophets it was good. It was true. And it carried some clout because angels brought it. There is some fear there. There's some reverence there. There's some otherworldliness there. There was something there. But you have to understand that as good as that was, Jesus is better. The word that Jesus, the word that, the word that we have in Jesus is the final word. It is, it is the end of what God has to say on the matter. Jesus has created all things. He has inherited all things. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe with the word of His power. He has made final purification for sins. Let's not turn anywhere else. Everything that God wants to say, He has said in His Son. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for all that we have in just these first four verses. It's a lot to take in. There's a lot of stuff to, to, to take in just in these four verses. Someone, someone could, could easily preach four, five, six, seven sermons on these phrases here that we have, these descriptions we have here of Christ. We, we, we thank you for the, the weight of truth. That's here. And, and, and far more than that, we, we thank you for your Son. We pray that you would help us when our hearts and minds are, are filled with the questions and the hopes and the fears that truly matter. Pray that you would help us, God, to remember, to turn to your Word and to behold the glory of Christ. 
the, the saving work of Christ, the majesty of Christ. We thank you for showing yourself to us through him. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can know Christ, that we can, that we can have our sins purified. Thank you for your great grace to us through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.